Well, we're getting close to the end of this series. Um, For those of you who might be new here, it is ultimately going to be a 13-sermon series ending on Easter. Uh, We're going through um, the the ministry of Jesus, and it kind of was planned to be a series that we can put on our website, which it is, and hopefully be a resource, uh, whether it be for you or for someone that you know that may not know a ton about Jesus' life. We're hitting 13 of the what we felt were the most critical, most important events in the ministry of Jesus. So please do make use of that resource on our website. So I've got some important news to share with you. Wink, wink. Um, I got a haircut this week. So it's really important. I knew that you really cared. But the reason why I'm sharing that is, is maybe where the, the, the tie-in to our sermon is today which is I've been going to the same gentleman to cut my hair for a number of years now, and I keep going back because I feel like he does a good job. But even more than that, he's just a great guy. And I enjoy um, the time in the chair, uh, not just getting my hair cut, but, but talking with him a little bit. Um, he got to know that I was a pastor probably in the I usually don't lead with that, but it came out, I think it was somewhere between the first and the third visit, something like that. And so since then, just to give you a little feel for him, he, uh, he's been, he never calls me Ben. It's either uh, most holy reverend, we're ready for you, or your honor, which I'm like, pastors are not, that's a judge. Pastors aren't called your honor. Or I've got a number of Father Ben's from him as well, which I don't even explain. It's a long story why that's not the right title. But uh, anyway, he, he often will encourage me to do crazy things with my hair because he thinks it'll be funny when you guys see me. Um, so this past week, he said, why don't you get some highlights, purple and pink for Easter? I think your people would really like that. And yeah, obviously not. Um, did not, will not go with that. Um, but this is a guy that, again, just have a great time talking with, and we've become friends over the years. And so it was, it was really surprising then this past week in the middle of our conversation, him cutting my hair, all of a sudden um, his face got really serious, and I could tell he started get, getting water in his eyes. And so he told me about his, his brother. His, his brother had, his older brother had um, a son, an adult son, that died tragically within the last couple of years. And, and I knew about that. Um, he had shared that with me a while back. But just recently, he's been with his older brother um, trying to, to help him out because the problem is, is his brother has not been grieving well. It's been at least a year, and his brother's a mess. Um, he's had MS for a while, but how these things go, since his son died— his MS has progressed way more quickly than it ever had. And at this point, as tears are in his eyes, he said, I, I saw my brother, he can, he can barely stand up, much less walk. He said, he's a mess physically. He's a mess emotionally. He's a mess spiritually. And I could just... See the hurt in his eyes as he described the hurt of his brother who's had a real hard time grieving the loss of a loved one. Now, the reason why I bring this up in part is because I think there's a lot of you in the room today that can relate. 
whether it's in big ways or in small ways. Um, Almost every single person in here, especially if you've lived for more than a decade or so, have had to confront the the loss of a loved one, the the death of someone that was really important to you. And and when that happens, whether you're a Christian or not, and we're going to unpack that a little bit more, the difference, but whether you're a Christian or not, there's a hole that is left. That really, honestly, nothing can quite fill it like it had been filled when that person you're thinking of was there. And there's a process with grief. And today, I I want to, in our lesson as we read it, we're going to receive some encouragement on what we should be thinking about, and maybe more importantly, what God is thinking about as you and I are going through the grief of someone that we love. And, and, And here's the thing. If that doesn't relate to you today, just wait, because it will someday. This is a topic that affects all of us and encouragement that all of us needs, need. So we're going to look at how Jesus helped two sisters who were grieving the death of their brother. A little bit of timeline because we're a part of a bigger series here. So the time of this conversation that Jesus had was probably a few weeks before he himself was going to die. Um, Last week, we saw how Jesus made travel plans to head to Jerusalem, which would be his final trip to Jerusalem because it would end with his death. And yet, he went anyway. He came to serve instead of to be served. It was in that time frame, that same time frame, as Jesus was making his plans to go to Jerusalem, that this event happened. Jesus received word that a friend of his, a very close friend of his named Lazarus was deathly ill. And Lazarus had two sisters. Some of you know their names. Their names were Mary and Martha. And they're the ones that sent word for Jesus to come and hopefully to help, hopefully to heal their brother, their brother Lazarus. That's where we pick it up in John chapter 11, beginning with verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And I just need to stop there because sometimes in the middle of our grief, we wonder whether Jesus loves us. In the middle of a situation that we just can't figure out, we wonder, well, I know he loves the world, but does he love me? And sometimes we equate things we've done in our past with maybe the reason why he doesn't love us. Like, I wouldn't love myself either if I did that, right? Type of thing. What you're going to see is that Jesus is going to act in this circumstance or in this situation in a way that's going to surprise us. But I don't want you to forget this first verse. That even though he did, he loved Martha and Lazarus and Mary. And it's going to get weird right away. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he... And I just want you for a moment to, to think that if you were writing this, like if, if you were going to make this up, this isn't made up, but if you're going to make this up, what might you put next? Jesus really loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. He heard that Lazarus is sick, and so he, he quit what he was doing and traveled to Bethany at once. That's what I would have written. That's honestly 
what I would have thought Jesus would have done because he loved Lazarus and Mary and Martha. But I made that up. That's not in the verse. Here's what Jesus really did. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Where he was, we don't know the town, but we know it was two miles away, which isn't far, even by foot. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. Jesus received the news that Lazarus is sick, and instead of going, remember, he loved Lazarus and Mary and Martha. He decided to stay where he was for two days. Mary and Martha are asking for Jesus' help. And Jesus does nothing. He just stays put. Here's something else I know about you. You've been there too. You've been near a sick loved one, and you've prayed for weeks, months, or even years that Jesus, that God would take away the cancer, that God would show up and, and, and make things better, heal him, her. And it seemed like Jesus just did nothing. So in those two days that Jesus waited, um, Lazarus ends up dying. And you can just imagine how hard those two days were for Mary and Martha, being at the bedside of someone that they love, as they're passing away. It's weird that we had this planned, this text planned, because it hits for a few of our members, like this is something that they've experienced just within the last few weeks. And it's not a fun time. It can be a special time. It can be an encouraging time for that person. It can be special, but it's not fun. No one would choose that time, watching a loved one die. You can just imagine Mary and Martha doing what you would do, trying to make things comfortable, reciting Old Testament scripture passages, maybe trying to get Lazarus to smile a little bit because the weight of what's happening is so heavy. And in the meantime, while that all is going on, you know what they're doing? They absolutely are looking up towards the horizon or out the window. Is Jesus coming? Help, help, help. Is Jesus coming? Help, help, help. Is Jesus going to answer me? Help, help, help. Where's Jesus? Well, where is he? Let's skip ahead to verse 14. So then Jesus told them, and this is a different them because he's not in Bethany yet. This is his disciples. Told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake the sake of the disciples, the sake of the people who would be there, I am glad I was not there. And, and, and some of you who maybe are new to the Bible or who struggle are like, I knew it. Jesus is confusing. Jesus doesn't love like we thought he would love. I mean, just look around in the world. Look at all the bad stuff that happens. Like, I knew it. But that's not the whole story. Jesus was glad. Why? The verse continues, so that you may believe. And here's where Jesus begins to explain what he's up to in this situation, and maybe will help to explain what he's up to in your situation too. 
He didn't go to Bethany right away and he allowed Lazarus to die because Jesus was going to use this moment of great loss and great hardship and great difficulty to do something in the people's lives who were there who have, would have far greater results than just answering the prayers the way they were asking for them. Or to say it a different way, our, our first fill-in for today. God can turn moments of great loss into opportunities for great gain. God can take moments of trial, of hardship, of challenge. He can take that great challenge and he can turn it into an opportunity for great gain. Um, spoiler alert, okay? Because the, the, this isn't actually in the text that we're looking at today. So I'm just going to tell you what happens at the end. That this ends, this account, with Jesus coming to Bethany, Lazarus is dead, and Jesus calls him out of the grave and raises him to life. And as all the people, including the 12 disciples, whom he said, I'm glad that this happened because through it you're going to believe, through this great loss, going through the difficulty of watching someone they love die, there's going to be an even greater gain as they see the power of Jesus over the grave and over death itself, which in context, in just a couple weeks, they're going to see Jesus himself die. This little window, this little precursor to an even greater resurrection as Jesus himself conquers death and rises again on Easter morning. But do you see, from where Mary and Martha sat as Lazarus is dying, and the word is out to Jesus, and Jesus is staying put. You see that Mary and Martha had their concerns. They maybe even had their anger. They're going to express it in just a moment as they talk with Jesus. But Jesus had a plan. They just couldn't see it. Jesus knew what he was doing. He was going to turn a moment of great loss into a moment of great gain. But because they're not God, they just didn't know what he was up to. But sometimes it's the moments of great loss that not only do we see what Jesus is up to eventually, but that we need to kind of jar us from our earthly malaise and focus on this life. If I had my choice, I would choose never to have to see a loved one die. If I had my choice. I miss my grandma's astro. I miss my grandma felons. I, I, I would choose not to go through that. But sometimes there's a good in it. <laughs> For them, it's pretty obvious. By faith in Jesus, they're going from this life filled with hurt to eternity in heaven. For me, for you who are left, I think sometimes I need that moment at the cemetery. I need that moment at the funeral home. I need that moment at the bedside of my grandma's astro to jar me from the focus on things that really don't matter that much in the long run to eternity, to where they are, and to where I hope to be too. I need to be reminded that this life is short. And so what am I going to use it for? And what am I going to focus on? Yeah, there's great loss in the death of a loved one. Let's make no mistake. There also is great gain for them 
And sometimes even for us, there certainly was for Mary and Martha. Well, eventually Jesus arrives in Bethany, verse 20. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed home. Um, I want you to see that Mary and Martha are just normal people. Why would Mary stay home? Lazarus has already died. She's not tending to him. I think she's angry. I think she's frustrated. I think she might have thought, oh, now he shows up. Lazarus is already dead. I'm not going, Martha. Conjecture, I think probably accurate. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And in that statement, we see Martha grieving. We see in that statement, uh, Martha stating uh, the truth, or at least her belief that Jesus had the power to heal Lazarus, but we also see Martha blaming Jesus. Where were you? I knew you were only two miles away. What could be more important than helping me with this right now? Next verse. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Um, We're going to look at Martha first, and then we're going to spend just a couple seconds on on Mary as well. And and their reactions are going to be similar, but also very different. You see, Martha is in the point of her grieving process where she's looking for answers. And so she engages the conversation with Jesus. She wants answers to what has happened. And Jesus engages her into the conversation. Verse 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And in this, Martha's a a real person. I, I think in this statement is the feeling that you have when someone tells you at the death of a loved one that Your loved one is going to live forever in heaven and is going to rise again. And ultimately, that's what you need to hear. But sometimes in the moment, it's like, I know, but I want him here now. (laughs) Right? Like, I know that to be true, but I want her to be with us now. I want her to see the kid, the grandkids growing up, whatever it might be, right? That's a very real emotion that we have. It doesn't mean that we don't find hope in the resurrection. It just means, why didn't you do something? Next verse. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Live forever. And whoever lives by believing in me, someone who's alive when Jesus returns, will never die. Do you believe this? Verse 27. Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. I mean, that's what I believe. It still doesn't, still doesn't help in some ways because you didn't do anything. Jesus answer to Martha. The thing that he wanted her to concentrate on, for those of you who are grieving, here's what you need to concentrate on, is is this statement. I am the resurrection and the life. Now, I'm going to tell you, we could have an entire sermon series just on this phrase, so I'm not going to do it justice in every little nuance of this phrase. But 
But I want you to know what Jesus is trying to encourage Martha with um, by making this comparison. A few years ago, uh, our family had a chance to go whitewater river rafting, and it was a pretty tame river. We didn't even have to wear helmets or anything, but we did have a guide, okay? And, And I remember that you go from these calm areas to some areas that have lots of rocks and definitely get a little bit quick. And, um... Honestly, I was a little bit nervous, and I think the, the gal directing the boat or driving it, I don't know what you call it, she kind of she noticed that a little bit, and she said something to me that along the lines of, don't worry, I got this, right? Don't worry, I got this. I've gone down this river like a million times. I got this. Do you think I listened? No. I kept white-knuckling it the entire way. And it was amazing how she could direct that boat. And sometimes, you know, she even had this us going backwards in order to go around something. And she did it perfectly. And I wish I would have just listened when she told me at the beginning, don't worry, I got this. Because I didn't enjoy it as much because I didn't trust. There's a lot of nuances to this statement, but in it, What Jesus is telling Martha is, I know you have questions and I know that you're even maybe a little bit angry at me right now. Don't worry, I got this. I'm the resurrection. I'm the life. You're in a really bad place and a difficult place right now. Don't worry, I got this. I I have the power to do anything. And that same Jesus is the one that's in your life, my friends. And so if he chooses not to heal your loved one or to call them early, if he chooses to let you endure some sort of hardship or difficulty, which he could at any point take any of those away, right? He has something in it for you, an opportunity or a part of great loss would be an opportunity for great gain. And he wants you to trust him through it. You can white-knuckle it. Or today's the day we start trusting. Today's the day, whether it's in our grief or just in our life, that we start trusting the one who is the resurrection and the life. And ultimately, he shows his greatest power. (laughs) If you think of your loved one, by someday raising them from the dead, that's the truth. And if you wonder about that, well then, you just go back to the fact that he had the power to raise himself from the dead. His victory over death on Easter is the proof that death is not the end, but just a sleep. And that there's going to be some glorious reunions going on in heaven someday. And that death is not something that any of us here need to fear because of what Jesus has done. He is the resurrection and the life. And so, in your grief, remember who Jesus is. If you're having a hard time, this is an important thing to do. Just continue to go back, and then back, and then when you forget, go back again, and then when you forget, go back again. Who is Jesus? What kind of power does he have? What has he done about death? He's taken the sting away. <laughs> In your grief, remember who Jesus is. That's, what's Mar- that's what Martha needed, okay? Let's continue in our verses. After 
she had said this, after Martha said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. Makes it harder not to go out there when Jesus is asking. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Next verse. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him, just outside the city limits. Verse 31. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her, you can tell her state of mind already, notice how quickly she got up and went out. They followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn. Verse 32. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, does that seem like a little deja vu? Did you know those are the exact same words that Martha spoke? The same exact statement filled with grief and a little bit of finger pointing, possibly. And yet, Jesus' reaction to her is a little bit different. And that's because Mary was in a little bit different place of her grief. Verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping, remember Martha? She was ready for a conversation. She was ready for answers. She was in a, the point in her grieving process where, where she needed to hear truth. Mary wasn't there yet. She was just sad. And she fell at a, a heap at his feet and just was weeping. Continues. And the Jews who had come along with her also was weeping. Jesus was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. You know that, that word for troubled it's one that I did a little word study on this week. And, and what it actually means is that Jesus was angry. But not at Mary and Martha and the people. He was angry at death. Jesus hates death. He was so angry of what the consequences is and the aftermath that it leaves it in its wake. And, and this makes sense, doesn't it, when you realize and recognize that Jesus, that God, is not the one who, inv who invented death. He never planned death to happen. You know, people say, you know, death is just a natural thing. It's, it's part of the natural process. That is the biggest lie ever. God created us never to die. Death is a result of our sin. The sorrow that goes along with earthly death is a result and is a punishment on mankind for sin in this world. Without sin, there would not be death. And Jesus is seeing all this weeping as both God and man, and he's troubled. And he's sad for Mary, and he's angry at death. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. Some have asked the question, why would Jesus be crying here? And they chalk it up 
or they say that, like, why would he be crying? You know, he knew that he'd be raising Lazarus in just a few moments. <laughs> like, he should be like, you know, that, that demeanor you have when you know a surprise is coming and everyone's going to love it, right? But that's not Jesus right there. Because he's feeling the, the full emotions of the moment. He too loved Lazarus. And death caused him to weep. Our next fill-in. In your grief, I want you to also remember how Jesus loves. I think sometimes I grew up with a mistaken notion that uh, because I'm a Christian and because I know that Jesus defeated the grave and because I know that I will live forever in heaven, that at funerals, like, I shouldn't cry much. Or I should be sad, but only to a point. And there is some truth in that. But guys, I want you to know that if you're feeling a whole host of emotions when you feel, think of someone dying, that that's okay. Jesus did too. Because death is hard. It's hard to lose a loved one. It's hard to not have them with you. I remember one of the first people of our church that was, was a younger person who died was like two years into my ministry. His name was Dave Indall. He was in his late 50s. And I just come out of Sam a couple years before. And, you know, I have all the right passages. Like, I'm going to go in there and, you know, they're going to be like, oh, thank you, Ben. You just, you know, man, was I self-focused, Right. And I had the passages and I came in and shared them and told them nothing they didn't already know. <laughs> but what they really needed from me was just to cry with them. Just to be there. Isn't that interesting? I wonder if there's some, not just encouragement for us in this, but also some direction. You know, if you know some people who are grieving, there's times where they need truth. Because if they have grief without truth, that's a sad place to be. And then there's other times where just, like, they need the passage, but just put it in your back pocket. <laughs> and just go and give them a big hug and put your arms around them and just weep with them. Because you understand, like Jesus did, how difficult death is. But we need both. We need tears. And ultimately, what will take those tears away eternally is the truth of what Jesus did for us. Because not only did Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead and then did it a second time or will do it a second time on Judgment Day, we have the sure hope that because he rose from the dead, we grieve, but we don't grieve like the rest of the world without hope because we too have that same hope that Lazarus did of eternity in heaven. Grief is a process. There's ups and downs. But it's, when you're in it, remember who Jesus is. Remember how Jesus loves. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this account. And if I can say this, Lord, thank you for letting Lazarus die the first time because through it, not only did the people there be encouraged, but through it, people now, today, can see your power over death, that nothing is out of your control. 
Lord, help us in our sorrow. Remind us of the, the truth that you got this, whatever it is, and ultimately to lead us to dry our tears with the knowledge of the resurrection. We pray all this in Jesus' name.